one of the, uh, one of the earlier songs we were singing about God lifts us up and pulls us up. And uh, one of my great pleasures in life is waking up in the morning, usually around like five or so, getting ready for work. Or on the weekends, I still wake up that time and making a fire or something like that. And I hear Finley in her room just call out my name, Daddy, Daddy. And I go to her room, and she's like on all fours looking at me like, rescue me. <laughs> and I pick her up, and I bring her out into the living room. And uh, usually Scout falls along. It's kind of like a little parade. <laughs> and uh, it's just awesome to hear my name being called out. And I go and pick them up and you know, I bring them into the living room. And uh, I just love it. And uh, I cherish those moments every day. But I, I was thinking how much more God loves to hear us calling out to his name. And we call out from the darkness. And he comes in, he picks us up, he says, hi, I love you. Let's go. Mm -hmm. So that's it. Thanks, Nick. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we just would respond to that by crying out to you, Daddy, Father, come and pick us up, Lord, help us to have your perspective, Lord, especially the perspective of your love, your care for us, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the little ones from two to, I'll get this memorized eventually, two to six, and uh, go down with Connie and her helper. The little, the little kid parade here. You're moving on up. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, get on up here. So um, for those of you that didn't know where we were when we were in Florida, we uh, went out there to visit Dick and Marguerite Remington, who, are, uh, who were our divisional pastors when we planted the church here. And, and uh, they'd been after us for nine years to come visit them in Florida. And uh, so two Sundays ago, uh, we were at church with them, and uh, they uh, became members. And uh, don't anybody gasp or anything, but they became members of the Nazarene Church there in Leesburg, Florida. And uh, they still have their four-square credentials, but there's not a lot of four-square churches in their particular area. And uh, they, uh, as they said, they wanted to get away from the drama of some of the larger congregations they had been going to, and uh, they had found this church, and it was very interesting. Um, Dick and Marguerite live in a retirement community that is made of, up of modular homes, and, and honestly, some of them are really mobile homes, but Dick's not here to listen to me, so hopefully 
he won't be finding the podcast and listening to this, but uh, it was really interesting to uh, get to be there with them. Um, their retirement community they, that they live in is um, 1,100 homes in just that retirement community. So on average, there's about two people uh, 55 years and older in there, and there are over 600 of those types of retirement communities in their county uh, in Florida. So <clears throat> when you go out and about, you may find that 65 and above is kind of the <clears throat> average of the people that you see. And uh, that was especially true when we went to the Nazarene church with them, that um, Connie and I were some of the youngest there. And so it was, uh, it was kind of fun and, and kind of like, wow, this is like stepping back in time. It was um, <clears throat> one of the funnest things uh, was to see that they had a gentleman, I'm guessing that it was probably in his late 70s, early 80s, and was on their worship team and uh, was also uh, had a little companion with him called an oxygen bottle. And uh, so that's not one of those things that you typically see with an, a worship team with an oxygen bottle, and, and there he is worshiping on their worship team. So they had an organ, a piano, and a keyboard. So they were real heavy on um, keyboard type of stuff. No drums, though. I don't know what's up with that. But uh, it was very, very like going back about 50 years in time because they even had a song leader. Some of, some of our older folks here would appreciate somebody leading like this. And, and uh, so it was uh, fun getting to be there and see them welcomed into um, the fellowship there. Um, lots uh, of people there. I just The funny thing about um, being in the trailer park or the retirement community with them is, uh, yeah, I'm just getting myself in more and more trouble here, is uh, it's just different to be in a place. I mean, we kept getting, Connie and I kept getting greeted, and, you know, technically we're old enough to be able to move there. Um, and there were places for sale, but it was just so weird to be in a place that was all 55 and up, um, so I, it made me appreciate the fact that we have our younger kids um, and the life that y'all bring um, here. You can complain about various things, but I really like the life, all right? So um, being in, the, in that community, though, felt a little bit like the Truman Show, and if you've never seen that movie then you have no idea what I'm talking about. So anyway, it's good to be home. Uh, it was a very fast trip, and it was 85 there. And I know that sounds, oh, that sounds so good, but at 100% humidity, I'm not, you know, 100% humidity, you think it's raining. Nope. nope. You, yeah, you, you have to continually dry off. But uh, it was nice being there when it was so cold here, but uh, then we had to come back to it. 
Anyway, so um, what I was going to teach on last week ended up getting um, changed quite a bit because it's funny how when you're studying scripture, when, you, when you're life journaling and God starts to unpack something that you think, oh, this is good, this is really cool, and then as you study and you dig in more, the Lord starts revealing more to us. And I know some of you uh, have expressed that you have a hard time with reading the Bible because you don't get anything out of it. And I would say that some of us eat oatmeal, even though we really don't feel like we get anything out of it. And you, and, and I think sometimes for many of us, when we start reading Scripture, it's a lot like eating oatmeal without any butter or sugar. Is It's kind of like, okay, I'm just doing my duty here. But I want you guys to know that the more that you press in, the more God honors that effort, the more the Holy Spirit begins to open things up to you. And so what we're going to begin doing today is um, really uh, a result of that. In fact, I'm not even going to get close to where I thought I was going to teach uh, last Sunday because, you know, Lowell, now it's a series. You know, one week goes by and, and what I thought was a one Sunday sermon is now turned into a series. So um, how many of you guys like camping? Let's go now. Yeah. You know, wh- why do you all go camping? Get, relax, get closer to nature. Get away from, does that really happen for you, Ashley? No, I didn't think so. Get away from electronics. I heard, uh, I wish, kind of wish the Schatzes were here this morning. Uh, yeah, they're camping probably. I know he can't be camping long because he's, he's got a birthday celebration later this afternoon. But um, I was listening to Cody the other day while we were driving somewhere together, and he was talking about all the things that they have for rules that they can't do certain things while they're camping. And, and I thought, well, that's, that's good. And I think what you guys end up doing is you end up creating some really, really good memories while you're camping. But also, there's always the challenge, there's the possibility that you're going to maybe have some bad memories. Um, things where somebody is, yeah, backing up a trailer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that could create some bad memories. Huh? Uh, but I came up with some camping quotes for you guys because... Um, This is kind of where I um, tend to go right now. I desperately want to go camping this summer, preferably in a hotel with a pool. (laughs) Or this quote, campers, nature's way of feeding mosquitoes. And then this one really sums it up, camping, where you spend a small fortune to live like a homeless person. (laughs) But really... You guys, uh, a big part of camping is discovery. Um, Discovering the perfect camping spot. Discovering the perfect cooked meal over the campfire. You know, because one of the things that I've noticed is, is that uh, my kids will come home and brag about the place that they went camping. Oh, Dad, you've got to go to this place. It's the best. That's exactly how Jackie sounds at that moment. 
they'll be they'll be uh, waxing eloquent about you know this is especially my son Ken will will just brag about the the meal that he cooked over the campfire and how good it was, but it's also discovering the amenities or the lack thereof, discovering the beauty of the area, discovering that perfect hike. But I wanted to talk to you guys today because God had a big camping trip. And I've never looked at this portion of scripture like this before. But the Exodus journey and the tabernacle of God is God's big camping trip. Now, I know you all think you like camping, but let's imagine doing 40 years of it. 40 years of camping in the wilderness. Sometimes where you pull up to what you thought was going to be a nice camping spot and there's no water. No wood. <laughs> no lights, no motor cars, not a single luxury. How's that, Wayne? So in leading the Israelites out of their bondage in Egypt, God took them on an extended camping expedition. During that expedition, the people learned a lot about God. They learned a lot about themselves and their neighbors. In fact, they learned that some of their neighbors weren't the smartest people at all. And You guys remember that story where the ground opens up and swallows some of them? That might be one of those memories that you have of that camping trip that's kind of like, whoa. But the tabernacle or tent of meeting was a big part of the expedition and how the people learned about God and the shadow of things to come. And so I wanted to talk a bit about the tabernacle. And Mike, if you could put that up there. We're going to start looking at this a little bit each week. Um, because like I said, out of what I thought was a one Sunday message, um, I feel like the Lord just wanted me to take some time to go through this tabernacle. And so um, if you guys can see that, that, X, that rectangle, that's, that's the fence around um, the tabernacle. And... Um, I've got this cool, I've never done this before, but, so, yeah, whoa. So this fence, if you read about it, it's not just any old fence. I think it's somewhere around seven feet tall, and in the front, it's even taller. But it's made of linen, fine linen. Do, do you think when you're out in the wilderness, everybody has these tents and everything out there, do you think? Fine linen might stick out just a little bit. So the fence around it is made of fine linen. And um, what we're mostly going to focus on today is, and, and we'll get to here in just a little bit, is um, this outer section. So <clears throat> let's go back to this and, and think of this in terms of the tabernacle is a central piece of God's big camping trip. The presence of God is camping out with his people. Um, God is revealed in the Old Testament in the beginning as walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. Do you, do you guys see intimacy there? When, when you think of taking a walk with God, wouldn't that be amazing? 
You know, but then after the fall, uh, we see that he's revealed occasionally with men in the Old Testament like Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, and others. But in Exodus, he begins this revelation of himself that isn't meant to be just God and Moses. There's this process that's taking place. In fact, if, you, if you've ever read the account, you remember that the tent of meeting started out with Moses pitching his tent outside of the camp. And that's where God would meet with Moses. But as time goes by, as they build this tabernacle, God is no longer outside the camp. The tabernacle is right smack in the middle of it. (coughs) In fact, the 12 tribes are designated. There's going to be three tribes here. There's going to be three tribes here. There's three tribes here. There's three tribes there. And those tribes are all around, set up in camp around the center. What's the center? The tabernacle. This this revelation of God that's going on. And so it's pointing to and exemplifying both Jesus and Jesus and his people. The tabernacle provides this center of discovery. Remember how I said that camping is really about discovering things. Well, this tabernacle provides this center of discovery that will define this people and impact them far into the future. In fact, (coughs) that camping trip is still impacting the nation of Israel today, and it's still impacting us today. One of of the salespeople that I deal with pretty much on a weekly basis uh, is a Jewish lady. And on top of that, she's from New York. So we've got this New York Jewish lady, and if you've never talked to a New York Jewish lady, you're missing out on something uh, because they are full of, full of energy, and the language can be quite colorful at times. And, and the reason why I'm telling you guys that is, is that even though you would probably think of her as not a good Jew, that when the Day of Atonement comes... She's not working on the Day of Atonement. This, and, and one of the things that you guys notice right here, I don't, for some of you that are far back, you can't read this, and I'm going to redo this for next week. But that word atonement right there, that's key to this area right here. And that's what I'm saying is, is that those things that were started during God's big camping trip with the Israelites are still impacting Jews today and they're still impacting us as Christians today. So this center of discovery just continues to go on. And this, I wanted to give you guys some, some scripture here. And, and uh, Exodus 25, 5, 8 through 9. I'm just going to go through a, a few points here. Exodus 25, 8 through 9 says, And let them make me a sanctuary, that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall, yeah, just so you shall make it. The pattern is significant, and we're going to unpack that as we go through this over the weeks, but the pattern is significant because God is not only revealing something of the present with them, but he's also revealing something of the future, 
and he's also revealing something of, it says pattern, and we'll look at some other scripture here in a moment that, that talks about these things are a mere shadow of what's really happening in heaven. You guys with me so far? So when, when you look at the tabernacle, I know for a lot of us, when we read through Exodus, there's parts of it that we can connect to, and then when they start getting into the detail of, and uh, you're going to make this so many cubits, and you're going to do this, and you're going to make it out of gopher skins, and, you know, when, when they start saying stuff like that, don't some of you guys just kind of like, you know, maybe a little bit like Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 and, and you're zipping through that trying to get, get to the next part that's going to get your attention. But this should get our attention because there's details here that are a shadow of what's happening in the heavenly realm. And that's one reason why the book of Hebrews is so good for us to read because Hebrews goes into that detail. So <clears throat> one of the things I like about what uh, God is speaking here in Exodus is, is that the pattern is significant. God's not, not only revealing something of the present with them, but he's pr- revealing something of the future. And God is not a God at a distance. You, and, you, and some of you remember that song by Bette Midler. It's such, it's such a song full of lies. God is not a God at a distance. A God, this is what he's saying. He says right there, that I may dwell among them. Wow. And then the prophet Ezekiel reflects on this as well. And he's, he's prophesying. And he says in Ezekiel 37, verses 26 through 28, Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. I will establish them and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever, forevermore. And I'm going to stop there for just a second, and and I want you guys to notice something. It's not unusual in in these times that, that Scripture is referring to. It's not unusual for there to be a temple. It was very unusual for the temple to be mobile. Furthermore, it's very unusual that we have a God who is personally speaking to his people and saying things like, I will establish them and multiply them, and I will set my sanctuary in their midst forevermore. My tabernacle also shall be with them. Indeed, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The nations also will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst forevermore. Now, just in the last few months, there's been somebody talking about the Old Testament is not for today. That it would be good for Christians to just forget about the Old Testament completely because that's where Christians get tripped up. And, and they're, they're right on one, one thing. The Old Testament can trip Christians up. Because we can tend towards getting back into legalism. But that isn't what we're doing here. We're getting into this because this is God saying, I'm revealing something of my plan. I'm revealing something of who I am and my values. 
And the first value is, is I want to be with my people. So in Ezekiel, there's a tabernacle that identifies Israel as his people and his, his intentions with this. To establish them and multiply them. He says, my sanctuary is in their midst. I am their God and they are my people. And the nations will know this by watching how I'm working amongst my people. Discovering something about God that had previously only been known or experienced by a few is now getting unpacked. The campsite is getting unpacked to where all the people are getting included. All the people are called to participate in worship. And I like this future look in Revelation 21.3. We know the Apostle John is the one that's speaking here. <clears throat> and it says, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. The ultimate goal and everything that God's unpacking here in his big camping trip is God with us. And at first it starts out with Israel. God with his people, his chosen people that he's bringing his plan for through. But the ultimate goal is, is to reveal himself to all the world. And, and we'll talk about that more in the coming weeks that that there's this ultimate goal of the Israelites to be the light to the world and as a result of that we as Christians being the light of the world so there's this historical context of this discovery there's this present context of this discovery and there's a future context to this discovery that's going on so <clears throat> the tabernacle though is more than just a camping trip so I want us to explore this pattern that we've got up here. And uh, first, we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. And, and this is going to sound familiar because I, I used this portion of Scripture just a few weeks ago. <clears throat> it says, now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. So what they're saying is, is this is what man put together, and it's a copy, it's a shadow of those things, but Jesus doesn't minister there. He ministers in the real, the true tabernacle in heaven. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the, listen to this, the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, this is God saying, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, this is Jesus, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. 
If we can look at the copy or shadow of the heavenly, we may find information that strengthens our faith, deepens our understanding of God, and increases our perspective of his salvation. So this isn't meant to bore you or put you to sleep. It's meant to take us deeper into a place where uh, the early church had an understanding this is important. Not because we want to go back there, but because it points to up there. And, and, and so there's something here for us to get a hold of, and, and I want to take us through this uh, in the coming weeks. <clears throat> the depths of God's salvation is revealed in the details. Too many Christians have, have a, a faith that's about that deep. It's, you know, what's that? Uh, a mile wide and an inch deep. And, and we don't want to be a mile wide and an inch deep. We, we want to be uh, a mile deep <laughs> and, and more than an inch wide. Amen? You know, we want to have that depth, but we also want to have some space that it's occupying in our lives as well. The opportunity is to discover more about God from the shadows and the examples, the, the patterns that have been laid out before us. So as we look at the tabernacle, part one today is the atonement, the way, the outer court. And so the fence is, um, it's interesting because as I was meditating on this and just praying about this is, you guys, you understand that this fence doesn't contain God. But it does define His presence. You guys catch that? It doesn't, it's not meant to contain God. God is... He's in the camp. He's amongst his people. But what it does is it gives the people of Israel a focal point for them to be able to look and say, that shows us that God is in our midst. So God's presence is not contained, but our approach to him is defined. There's a focal point, a defined location by which we approach, a defined border that leads us to the gate, and, and wouldn't you guys agree that when we talk about, he's not contained, but, but there is a definition to approaching God. What is that definition of approaching God? Jesus? You know, there, there's no other way given among men that we can be saved. And that leads us to the gate. Here and, and God's presence is not contained, but there is access to his presence. The gate leads us to the altar of sacrifice. You couldn't miss it. When you walk in the gate, the brazen altar or the bronze altar, this overlaid, you know, it's, it's made of, it's, you can read about how it's made with, with wood and then it's overlaid with bronze and it's the altar of sacrifice and you don't go in without atonement, and, and we're going to read some scriptures here in just a moment about that, but this gate, and, and I, as I was reading and studying about this, you guys, it's interesting because <clears throat> I don't know if you realize it or not, but this whole area right here would be incredibly noisy. Why? Animals are dying, Exactly. The smell would be unique. I, 
I think it would probably smell a lot like your campfires when you guys are burning steaks, right? So you got the brazen altar going on here. The priests are taking the sacrifices, and you're not going to access getting in any further without first realizing the sacrifice has to be made. The atonement has to be taken care of. The way has been provided by God. But it's not teaching us that, hey, we need to go sacrifice animals. It's teaching us that God is providing ultimately the sacrifice. As we talk about the gate, it reminds me that Jesus is the door. He is the access point. John 10, 6 through 10. I'm going to read this out of the message. I am the gate for the sheep. All those others are up to no good. Sheep stealers, every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for, will freely go in and out and find pasture. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. And that's what, as we go through this, as we go through the steps of this and we begin to look at what's inside that door right there, as we look at the the holy place and the holy of holies, as we begin to look at that, see what the furnishings are there, that there's going to be this understanding that we realize God's big camping trip was about revealing his plan of salvation that was coming through his son, Jesus Christ. I like the fact that this reading out of John 10 says that the access is not meant to hold you in. It's meant for you to come and go. You come into God's presence, you take something of his presence with you, and you go back out, and your life is lived on this big camping trip. All these Israelites come in, and hopefully they realize, man, my sin cost that animal its life. So when you go back out, you're meant to live differently, allow God to have access to your life at all times. There's this opposition that we face to steal, kill, and destroy, but there's a purpose that's there and is strong to lead us into life. And then the bronze altar, the altar of sacrifice. In Hebrews 9.22, it says that without blood, there is no remission of sin. And it says, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So did you guys realize that song that we sang last? For his blood. I I always, see, I I usually never call up Jackie and say, hey, I'm teaching on such and such. Would you please make sure this is in the song list? I just love the fact that we go in into the teaching time and, and that point is being made. Oh, the blood that has brought not... At that point in time in this here, it's just the covering of sin. But the blood of Jesus Christ has removed sin. That we no longer stand with just a covering. We stand in Christ where the... The sin has been removed. 
Is that good news for somebody here? So this blood of Jesus wasn't for a temporary camping trip. It's in the eternal tent of God's presence. Do you guys, you guys catch that? This isn't, the blood of Jesus wasn't for that temporary camping trip. It's in the eternal tent. Remember we read that? It's saying the copy and shadow, that's the copy and shadow, but Jesus is in the presence, in the real tabernacle of meeting. He is making that sacrifice for us, or he made that sacrifice for us. So as we look at Hebrews 9, 11 through 15, it says, but when the Messiah arrived, high priest of the superior things of this new covenant, he bypassed the old tent right there and its trappings in this created world and went straight into heaven's tent, the true holy place, once and for all, he also bypassed the sacrifices consisting of goat and calf blood, instead using his own blood as the price to set us free once and for all. If that animal blood and the other rituals of purification were effective in cleaning up certain matters of our religion and behavior, think how much more the blood of Christ cleans up our whole lives, inside and out. Through the Spirit, Christ offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all those dead-end efforts to make ourselves respectable so that we can live all out for God. The only reason, you know, is, is I think about this and I think of, you know, bringing my sacrifice to the brazen altar and I... And I go through the process of this and I watch the priests do their the duty and, and they stand in that place for me. I, I think in terms of when I leave, I can still mess up. Because that's the copy and the shadow of things. But we don't have our faith in the copy and shadow of things. We have our faith in the one who gave the sacrifice in the real tabernacle. Not the one made with human hands, but the one that God's established in heaven. And that's, I love the way the message translation puts it, is that through the Spirit, Christ offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice, freeing us from all those dead-end efforts to make ourselves respectable so that we can live all out for God. Instead of me trying to look good, keep everything lined up, and keep my, you know, is this my good side? Instead of that, it's all out. It's all about God. It's all living for Him. And then it brings us to the laver the washing area for the priest. The washing of water points to water baptism. One of the reasons why we should do water baptism is not because it's here, but Jesus, when he's saying to John the Baptist, uh, I need to be baptized in water, and John the Baptist says, I'm not worthy to baptize you. And Jesus says, 
well, let's do it anyway so that we can fulfill all righteousness. He's saying, let's make sure that we're taking care of the parts of the human side so that we understand there's a spiritual significance in the eternal realm of heaven that we are fulfilling in water baptism. I hear so many people now in, in, in Christian circles that, well, you know, I just, I don't really understand the water baptism thing. It's, you know, it just seems kind of silly. I don't think it's silly. I think it's something that we need to do. I think it's something that if Jesus commanded it, we do it. Because what it says is it's, it's saying, I'm being washed. And it's always something that when the enemy comes up, you know, and says, hey, Nick, you know, you were really a jerk today. You know, you were really blowing it. and You know, you just, I don't know why you call yourself a Christian. Has, has the enemy ever said anything remotely close to what I just said? Yeah. I love to be able to point, you know, what's that song? It says, when, when the devil tries to remind you of his past or your past, just remind him of his future. But some of us need to just go back to our past and say, yeah, but I was washed. I was buried with Christ in water baptism, and I rose, and I'm not, I'm not the old person that I was. Yeah, sometimes I still blow it. But you know what? I'm not standing in my righteousness. I'm standing in the righteousness of my Savior. And that's what, you know, and you guys, I could go into so much more depth on this, and and I'm trying to keep it kind of focused here. But the picture of atonement, the way, is that God first shows up on the scene meeting with Moses away from the camp, but he reveals that he is there to be at the very center of their camping trip, not being out there, but he's going to be right there in the middle of it all. And he's preparing God's people to enter into relationship with their God, this, this whole thing. And if we start looking at the tabernacle as, as something that God reveals himself and is revealing his plan, as we begin to unpack this, you guys are going to start doing the same thing I did when, you know, because I'm just stealing this, honestly, from somebody else. You say, man, pastor's stealing, you know. It's God's stuff. I'm not really stealing it, right? So if when you guys start seeing the segments of this build, because these words, atonement, is going to have other things going up there. And when you start seeing those things and you start realizing um, the thing that kind of started this whole thing was uh, reading about the lampstand. And it, got, it made me curious. And I said, well, I want to know more about this lampstand. So I started studying about the lampstand that many of you would know the term or the name menorah. And as you look at the menorah, there's some very specific details that God says, I want it built this way. And, and we know that the Holy Spirit came on, I think his name's Bezalel. I might be mispronouncing it, but the Holy Spirit comes on this man of God who is a craftsman, and he is able to create all of these different things that are in the temple, and I'm sure he wasn't the only one creating, but he had the creative oversight, and he was commanding and telling people, here, do this. No, no, that's throw that out. We're starting over, you know. But the picture of atonement here is that God is preparing his people because he's camping with his people to show them the way. God's revealing himself to you, and he's continuing to do so every day because God is still on a big camping trip with you. 
Because guess what, you guys? This world is not our home. It's just a pass-through place. It's just a camping trip. And God's taking us to his forever home. And that should give us some sort of excitement to know, and I know some of you, I remember, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again. I remember being a young man of about, you know, 14 years old and hearing the pastor preaching about Jesus is coming back. We're going to go to heaven. Hallelujah. And, you know, he's preaching that message. And I'm thinking, I want to get my driver's license. (laughs) And some of you are thinking about your plans, and you've got all these plans laid out. And I just want to tell you something. Those plans don't really mean a whole lot. Because what, what is most important is for you to say, God, how do you want to reveal yourself in my life, through my life? How... In this big camping trip, can I be living on purpose for your plan? Submit, therefore, to the Lord. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Amen? (coughs) Excuse me. Sorry to cough right in the microphone. Um, So as as we go on through this the rest of the way, like I said, we're going to be unpacking more and more of that. We're going to probably spend... uh, one Sunday alone just on the, um, the, the menorah, the altar of incense. We're going we're gonna to take some time going through those pieces because uh, when I started studying uh, the lampstand, I was just like, whoa. I mean, there's some, there's some fun stuff in there that, again, it all points to Jesus. That's what's so cool about it is when you realize that God, God wasn't like, okay, that plan didn't work out. Let's, uh, let's think about this. We need to come up with another plan. These people, they're hard. You know, God wasn't like freaking out in heaven trying to come up with something. He was doing it all along. This is all stuff that when we start getting into the details, you guys are going to be like, wow, I never knew that. So I'm excited about that. But God... Ultimately, if there's one thing that I could leave with you today, God is revealing himself to you daily on your big camping trip right now. Not just when you go camping, Steph. This is our camping trip right now because he's taking us to our forever home. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'm done. What? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I thank you today for the Old Testament. Lord, I thank you that um, when we look at the New Testament and we're, we're reading the stories, Lord, about different ones that they were preaching Jesus out of Scripture, they weren't preaching Jesus out of the New Testament because they didn't have the New Testament yet. They're preaching Jesus out of the Old Testament. It's the Old Testament that reveals Jesus. Jesus said that himself. And so, Father, I'm thankful for your word. Thankful that, Lord, you would give us a hunger for your word, that that you would help us to have a desire to know more and and to be sensitive, Lord, to your leading as we read that you'd speak and and open things up so that we could see and hear. Lord, and our lives could further be changed. Lord, I believe what you're doing with us in these days is 
you're wanting to deepen our faith. That, Lord, in spite of our circumstances, in spite of situations, Lord, we would find ourselves digging in deeper to you, wanting to know you more and wanting you to be known more through our lives. So, Lord, as we jump into learning about your big camping trip, we'd realize that, Lord, that was kind of essentially what you're doing with the Israelites, but you're still doing with us today. Lead us and guide us in this temporary stopping place so that, Lord, we can enter into your presence forevermore. We can enter in, not on our own merit or our own strength, but we can enter in because of the faith we have in your son, Jesus Christ, and the price that he paid for us. In Jesus' name, amen.